Good afternoon, I'm Ron Cruz. Here are the news making the headlines in the Philippines and across the globe. Philippine House Speaker Alan Peter Cayetano breaks the silence on ABS-CBN shutdown. Cayetano has been blamed for the network shutdown, says the National Telecommunications Commission ambushed everyone. He washes his hands off, saying the NTC appears to have succumbed to pressure from Solicitor General Jose Carida. Kalida had threatened the agency with graft charges should it give ABS-CBN a provisional authority to operate. Caetano now promises a reckoning for the NTC and for what he calls the unconstitutional meddling of the Solicitor General. He also assures the public the Committee on Legislative Franchises will conduct a fair and impartial hearing on ABS-CBN's franchise application, but he does not mention a timetable. Despite repeated assurances of impartiality, the pleas of ABS-CBN, the stakeholders, and even the Senate, the House has never scheduled a hearing for the ABS-CBN franchise bill. A colleague tells House Speaker Caetano to refrain from absolving himself over the shutdown of ABS-CBN. Albay Representative Ed Silagman says Caetano himself is responsible for ABS-CBN's closure because he blindly followed Duterte, who has opposed the renewal of the company's franchise in the past. He adds the House Speaker cited his own personal grievances against the network to justify delays in tackling several pending ABS-CBN franchise bills. For Lagman, the only way now for the House to redeem itself is by immediately fast-tracking the renewal of ABS-CBN's franchise. Philippine House Minority Leader Bienvenido Abante, meanwhile, pushes for the abolition of the NTC for shutting down ABS-CBN. Abante says the move was an affront to Congress, which has the sole authority on legislative franchises. He adds the commission is incompetent and lacks dynamism to keep up with new technologies. Abante now wants NTC's functions and powers transferred to the Department of Information and Communications Technology. Because we have the ICT. I mean, why is it that the president uh, uh, even uh, asked for a ter third telco if the NTC has been doing their job? Uh, why would the new uh, department like the ICT be uh, uh, be created, no? And the NTC be an attached agency to the, uh, the ICT? Well, they, they, they just have to uh, squash the NTC and let the ICT do their work. Over at the Senate, 13 senators filed a resolution calling on the NTC to reconsider its cease, its cease and desist order against ABS-CBN. The senators reminded the agency it allowed other entities to continue operating with expired franchises pending renewal by Congress. The resolution was signed by nine members of the majority and four members of the minority. Despite the Senate resolution, the National Telecommunications Commission stands by its decision to shut down ABS-CBN. The NTC says the network's case is different from the situation of other entities with expired franchises for the simple reason of lack of opposition against ABS-CBN's peers. The NTC also denies being pressured by Solicitor General Jose Carida. Well, there are those that are challenging the validity of the franchise. There are opinions now being raised, have, have been raised by prominent individuals. There are so many, so many uh, uh, individuals already expressing their opinions. All of this, all, all of this has prompted the commission to make a decision. Uh, we cannot just uh, keep quiet. So if we do not do anything, <laughs> we will be charged of the reduction of duty. 
The Catholic Bishops' Conference of the Philippines calls on government and Congress to work together to allow ABS-CBN to resume its operations. Because of the network's closure, the CBCP says Filipinos lost one of the country's major sources of information, which is crucial during these difficult and trying times when the country is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. The CBCP adds ABS-CBN has also been a source of entertainment and diversion for people who have been locked down in their homes for more than two months already due to the health crisis. The Foreign Correspondents Association of the Philippines, or FOCAP, urges the Philippine Congress to independent, uh, independently act on pending measures seeking to renew ABS-CBN's franchise. That statement comes as FOCAP condemns the National Telecommunications Commission's order to shut down ABS-CBN, which it calls a threat of press freedom and a clear case of political harassment against a pillar of Philippine democracy. Millions of people in the Philippines have, and abroad, Filipinos abroad, they depend on all ABS-CBN Corporation to be informed, to receive trustful information, especially right now during the pandemic. So I think it's a really big loss um, suiting right now ABS-CBN under, under any circumstances, but especially right now mm -hmm. amid this pandemic. FOCAP President Sara Gomez says ABS-CBN appears to have been singled out since other media entities were allowed to operate even while their franchise renewals were pending before Congress. A media law professor also decries the ABS-CBN shutdown, describing it as traumatic for Filipinos whose only access to news is through free TV and radio. Attorney Maritu Lambino from the UP College of Mass Communication says ABS-CBN's commitment to delivering the news is what Filipinos need in this time of a lockdown. Uh, shutting down ABS-CBN had traumatized many people because all of a sudden they turn on the TV and it's all dark and uh, the only their, their only lifeline to the outside world is Channel 2 and uh, DZMM and it is like losing losing your window or, or mm -hmm. losing your access to the world mm -hmm. it, it feels like you're you're thrown into jail so mm -hmm. that's how traumatizing it is so uh, i hope that the supreme court sees how how important this matter is and how how um important and urgent it is to act on the petition for certiorari and prohibition right away mm -hmm. In the wake of ABS-CBN going off air, social media was flooded with posts from viewers, many shedding tears and others expressing support. This report from Cory Quintos. 60-year-old Estrelita Almario wiped tears as she watched the last minutes of ABS-CBN's broadcast on May 5. Eyes glued to the screen, she waited until her screen turned dark, even lingered for a while, waiting to see if it would light up again. Her son, Errol, said they didn't expect the sign-off to happen just like that, almost without warning. He said quarantine life has become extra quiet for now, with the TV switched off. On Twitter, Grayson Abdon shared pictures of his 67-year-old grandma, Anisita. Already missing the shows she looked forward to every day. Grayson said his Lola now feels more isolated during quarantine because the shows that brought his grandmother happiness are no longer there to provide escape. Jaggy Boyles also shared a video of his 69-year-old mother, Vina Olfindo, crying quietly while watching for Channel 2 to sign off. He said ABS-CBN has been part of their daily routine for 40 years because of his mom. 
He said it's sad how the one thing that she takes pleasure in was snatched away. Even children couldn't contain their emotions. Bayan Patrol shared videos of little ones sobbing and crying as ABS-CBN left the airwaves. I just want to share sa mga tao kung ano yung naging dulot niya sa isang batang katulad ng kapatid ko, uh, yung dulot ng pagkawala ng ABS-CBN. Ang ABS-CBN, yung mga shows nila, uh, it keeps uh, everyone sane. Lahat ng mga nanonood ngayon, nawalan pa sila ng source ng uh, happiness. Meanwhile, Bayan Patroller Jake Moral stuck a for sale sign on his TV at home. Despite it being an obvious joke, Jake said with ABS-CBN's absence, they don't feel inclined to turn on the TV and have instead focused more on their cell phones for news and entertainment. Cory Quintos, ABS-CBN News. An advertising agency warns the ABS-CBN shutdown is also creating a negative impact on the advertising industry. Creative Villa says advertising companies are already in panic, uncertain if they will reach their target consumer market. Its chairman, Dan Villa, points out the shutdown is a huge setback as ABS-CBN has the greatest marketing reach in the country and many advertising and marketing firms rely on the network. Meanwhile, a local marketing, a marketing group calls on the Philippine Congress to look into the matter of ABS-CBN shutdown urgently. The Philippine Marketing Association says the network's closure poses business and social concerns. It adds ABS-CBN is one of the platforms where Filipino marketers can deliver their messages to their target audience. The group also lauds ABS-CBN's efforts in helping Filipino families amid the pandemic through their Pantawid ng Pag-ibig program. The U.S. government sounds the alarm over the shutdown of ABS-CBN. The U.S. State Department underscores the importance of an independent media in the Philippines as it allows free and open exchange of information and ideas, especially in a democratic society. The State Department adds the presence of free media is vital in promoting public health amid the pandemic. But Malacanang reiterates President Duterte has nothing to do with ABS-CBN's shutdown because it is the legislative branch, which is independent from the executive, that grants franchises. Duterte's allies hold the majority in both the Senate and the House. The palace also assures foreign allies the uh, Philippines continues to have a free press despite ABS-CBN's forced closure. The Philippines logged a record high number of new COVID-19 recoveries at 116 today, bringing the total number of recovered patients to 1,734. This is the second day that the country broke the record for the number of new coronavirus recoveries. The Department of Health also recorded 120 new COVID-19 cases, the lowest number of new cases in two weeks. Majority, or 70% of the new cases, are from the national capital region, while 23% are from region 7. 
For the past several days, Region 7, which includes Cebu, has been recording relatively high number of cases. Since the pandemic started, there have been 10,463 COVID-19 cases in the Philippines. The DOH also reported 11 new coronavirus-related deaths for a total of 696 fatalities. 23 Filipino workers have died in Dubai due to COVID-19. That's according to Philippine Consul General to Dubai, Paul Raymond Cortez. There's still no official figures on the total, of, uh, total number of infected Filipinos in Dubai, but Cortez says the consulate remains in touch with Dubai authorities. He adds they continue to provide economic relief for those affected by the lockdown. Cortez also says at least 1,500 Filipinos in Dubai have asked for assistance with getting flights back home. The Philippine Red Cross admits encountering some technical problems in conducting COVID-19 tests. Red Cross Chairman Senator Richard Gordon says samples they've received from local government units are sometimes improperly encoded, meaning some information are missing. This has prompted the organization to return the samples. He adds Red Cross is not getting enough samples for coronavirus testing. So far, the group has conducted over 20,000 COVID-19 tests since April 14th. We're just spreading towards the entire country at various stages of development, uh, like in Batangas, in Los Baños. We're doing already Cebu. Uh, we're uh, doing uh, Bacolod uh, and also uh, uh, Sambuanga. And then we go to Cagayan de Oro, to Butuan, and possibly Jansan or Davao. We have theoretically uh, 32,000 tests a day. Okay, now... now That's why we're moving... We're well, moving heaven and earth. Uh, we need medtechs. We need encoders. Uh, and that's, uh, if we can have that, I think we can do a lot, lot, lot better. The Supreme Court junks a plea to compel President Duterte to disclose his health records. Mike Navalio reports. Uh, voting 13 to 2, the Supreme Court adjunct uh, today, earlier today, a petition filed by a lawyer seeking to compel the president to disclose his health records. This is according to sources from the Supreme Court. Only two associates or associate justices dissented, and they are associate justices Marvick Leonen and Alfredo Benjamin Kagiwa. We understand that it is uh, associate justice Henry Jean-Paul Inting who is the ponente of that particular decision. The petition filed on April 13 had sought to direct President Rodrigo Duterte or his office to Executive Secretary Salvador Medialdea to disclose within seven days his latest medical and psychological or psychiatric exam results, health bulletins, and other health records since he assumed office. It cited the president's incoherent, unresponsive, and intelligible rumblings and his drunken monologue during his late-night press conferences as signs that he may not be fit enough to manage the coronavirus pandemic. The petition relied on his legal basis, Section 12, Article 7 of the 1987 Constitution, requiring the president to inform the public of the state of his health or the state of health of the president, especially in light of serious illnesses that he allegedly or he admitted in the past. It even claimed that the president's admitted use of fentanyl could also affect his thinking. But Chief Presidential Legal Counsel Salvador Panello had said the petition warrants an outright dismissal due to lack of factual or legal basis. And so this is what happened today. Supreme Court voting 13 to 2 
to junk that particular petition. And we should point out that 11 of the Supreme Court magistrates were appointed to the Supreme Court by the president, who also appointed the chief justice, Giuseppe Peralta, to the post. Uh, it was uh, former President Gloria Macapagal-Arroyo who appointed Peralta as Supreme Court Associate Justice in 2009. The three other justices are appointees of former President Benigno Aquino III, and they are senior associate justices Stella Pérez Bernabé, justices Leonen and Kagiwa. Debt watcher Fitch ratings downgrades the Philippines' outlook from positive to stable, citing the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. Fitch says it's projecting a higher debt and budget deficit for the Philippine government as it battles the pandemic. This latest action comes three months after Fitch raised its outlook on the Philippines due to its very strong macroeconomic story. But Fitch now expects the Philippine economy to contract by 1% this year. Fitch expects a dip in private consumption, which contributes 70% of GDP. There has been a significant change in, uh, of course, the spread of this uh, of the virus uh, globally as well as in the Philippines. And that has led us to uh, significantly revise our growth projections for Philippines for this year from um, over 6% that we were expecting in February to a contraction of 1% of GDP. And uh, we're expecting a, a recovery, but not of growth to the pre-virus uh, pre, uh, levels. And at the same time, uh, we have also changed our fiscal uh, projections quite uh, substantially from what we had previously as a result of the spillover effects of this pandemic on the fiscal. So we are now expecting debt to increase in 2020 to uh, close to about 45% uh, of GDP and then to, to just come down very gradually. We're expecting a widening of the central government deficit uh, to about 6.5% of GDP this year before it starts to come off. Moody's analytics seeing the biggest output loss this month amid the extended lockdown due to the pandemic, but it's keeping an optimistic view for the Philippine economy, a 0.3% full-year growth estimate for 2020. Moody's analytics APAC chief economist Steve Cochrane attributes this to the country's fairly strong fiscal policy, particularly on infrastructure development, which is expected to resume once the lockdown is lifted. He adds he expects the Philippines to gain from any improvement in the global economy. Uh, the best estimate right now is that the, the, the greatest loss will be in May. Mm -hmm. And that's because in China, we already see the economy beginning to turn around. So we'll see a little bit of improvement in terms of, of demand uh, for goods through the, the intermediate supply chains uh, into China. And also uh, Europe and North America are beginning to open up a little bit, certainly uh, Q3 uh, will be, the, the economies will be operating a little closer to more uh, normal speeds and the Philippines will, will be a beneficiary of that. Despite higher demand for relief goods, manufacturers of canned sardines are currently operating at only 55 to 60 percent capacity due to lack of manpower and social distancing measures. Greg Tung, the president of the Canned Sardines Association of the Philippines, says they can only operate one shift per day due to curfews imposed by government. 
They're now studying ways to increase capacity, including setting up new production lines for the labor-intensive industry to meet higher demand. They're also asking Manila ports to fast-track the release of their cargo from Zamboanga so they can distribute supply immediately to customers. We're working double time and more or less uh, the panic buying has kind of subsided already and gradually we're able to uh, catch up of building our inventory as, as we speak right now. Probably most of us, we, we can safely say we have two weeks inventory on hand. There is supply of fish, there is fish, but the problem is that we cannot produce it as, as fast as possible. One reason is that we lack the manpower. Number two, the problem is to shuttle our employees. We have to pick up our workers no, to build the factory because of social distancing. We cannot also maximize the load of our shuttle bus. So they have to both be going back and forth. Many businesses are rethinking their operations amid the pandemic, and some are considering using artificial intelligence. Singapore-based Advanced AI says they've received more inquiries from companies that want to reduce fiscal contact, including banks for credit profiling and e-commerce platforms for verifying vendors. He also says the Philippines' e-commerce penetration rate is still quite low. This has been a spike in demand for e-commerce as many physical stores are closed as a result of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. so we are helping them by deploying an AI-powered credit scoring system to prevent fraud and digitally check the merchant's identity, the financial health of their business and their credit risk before they are allowed to sell on the platform. With banks, uh, many physical branches are also closed during this time. The same technology can also be applied to process and manage loan applications and credit risk by consumers or small business without having to meet them in person. An economist believes the Asian economy is going to come up stronger after the pandemic. Prag Khanna, founder and managing partner of FutureMap, says COVID-19 has brought super economies to their knees. And with less global trade, he expects a health crisis to reshape the trajectory of the world economy. The trade war and, and the coronavirus coming after it, they reinforce each other in one very important way, which is that they accelerate the regionalism of the world economy. Imagine now you have less global foreign investment, less global travel, less global trade. You have protectionist movements. You have movements to nearshore production. So Asians are going to depend more on each other than ever before. So in that sense, the localism the turning inward that the coronavirus has forced upon all of us, uh, region by region, is going to accelerate. The Philippine Education Department is studying the most applicable modality when classes open August 24. The DEPAD says teachers have been called to report on June 1 to undergo training on modular and online delivery and prepare for face-to-face -face classroom setups if the option is allowed next year. August is the most uh, uh, practical uh, class uh, opening because we want we we don't want uh, children would uh, stay longer in their homes and uh, of course uh, education must uh, continue and uh, we we cannot afford to uh, 
delay uh, the class opening. If uh, IETF says school will continue to be uh, closed, then uh, we will uh, combine the uh, different modalities like mm -hmm. online, homeschooling, and uh, the uh, combination of face-to-face -face and modular. The DepEd has set three conditions for private schools before they are allowed to open. These include no face-to-face -face classes, compliance with minimum health protocols, and readiness with online delivery mode. A number of schools from the National Capital Region and the Calabarzon area have expressed their intention to open classes by June. As virtual graduation ceremonies become the norm this year, a group urges graduates in the U.S. to donate their graduation gowns to medical workers in need of personal protective equipment. Take a look. Empty stadiums and virtual ceremonies will be the norm for graduation this year. But frontline doctor's assistant Nathaniel Moore doesn't want graduates to let their hard-earned regalia go to waste. He's urging graduates to wear the cap and donate the gown. Moore founded a charity called Gowns for Good, which gives the graduation gear to medical workers in need of personal protective equipment, or PPE. More than 75,000 frontline responders have registered for gowns so far. The gowns are more effective than other alternative measures of PPE, given their length, their sleeves, and their easy donning with zippered access. Medical workers across the United States have taken to the streets, protesting the lack of adequate protective gear. Some doctors have even resorted to wearing trash bags, which Moore says does not offer protection for the arms or below the waist. To hear these personal stories of people on the front lines that have nothing, that are begging for gowns, that are begging for any support that we can offer them and as fast as possible. And we're working just as hard as we can to make sure we can spread our story, get people to donate um, to help those that are reaching out. Moore, who was also set to graduate this year from the MBA program at the University of Vermont, said Gowns for Good was the perfect way to honor both his healthcare colleagues and his fellow graduates. We're getting notes from individual donors, and they're as heartfelt as can be. We have parents that are talking about children that have passed, and they're holding on to their graduation gowns, and this is the best way that they see fit. They're honoring their son or daughter's lives um, by donating to this just wonderful cause. Nearly 4 million people are expected to graduate from U.S. universities this year. And those were the latest news alerts. I'm Ron Cruz. For more updates, subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter.